high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's up, everybody? Monday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you joining us here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Hope you had a great weekend. You had the fair that was going on. Uh, last, maybe, chances to get away and do anything fun for the summer before this uh, school really gets going again. And we know that uh, maybe you still have a little bit of a chance to do that this week. I know it gets harder, though, because you got a lot of high school sports that are going on. you got high school football but that's going on. Nobody's nobody's kids are going to be able to go to school except for yours and say, yeah, I went to the Kokomos and helped out the other people of different lands. I mean, nobody else can the, say that. The Kokomos? Yeah. Where are the Kokomos? That's uh, that's that's just off the uh, coast of Cuba. Isn't that part went. of the uh, the the Beach Boys song? No, that's where you went, right? Like it's just off of Cuba or something. <laughs> I have no idea where the Kokomos are. <laughs> Wait, isn't that yeah? It's just off the uh, that one island. <laughs> I know I didn't go to any island. Um, but uh, on Saturday, Utah State football had a closed scrimmage. We'll get into that. Uh, what did Coach Anderson have to say about it? Some of the players, what do they have to say about it? Audio that you will only hear here. Uh, nobody else was there, no other media, so exclusive uh, audio that you'll be able to hear here in just a moment here on the Full Court Press. Um, and some interesting news about Team USA getting ready for the FIBA World Cup. Uh, you heard it just there at the top of the hour update with the Fox Sports Radio that Kyle Lowry is taking his name out. So what does that mean for <laughs> Donovan Mitchell's chances? Uh, and also one last thing. I want to make sure we continue to, to hit this. Tour of Utah, Stage 1, will be in Cache Valley tomorrow. There are going to be some roads closed. There are going to, it's going to be, especially if you live in North Logan, there's a lot of different areas affected by Tour of Utah. It's going to start there by Green Canyon High School. Uh, there by the George S. Eccles Ice Arena and the Real Salt Lake Soccer Facility. Uh, that's really going to be the start and and finish line area. It's going to start at about 1230. They're going to kind of mess around there for a little bit, and then they're going to head out west and north part of Cache County. They're going to be going around Newton and Trenton and some of those areas, and then they'll come back into North Logan and do some laps around town, essentially, uh, it's like a 7.2-mile loop that they're going to be doing. And they do that like five or six times. And then the finish line will be right there again in that same area where they started. So all that being said, there's going to be road closures. It's going to be kind of a rolling road closure in certain areas where highway patrol will be there, kind of controlling intersections as the, the cyclists go by. So just beware. Be patient. If you live in North Logan, be particularly mindful of how that might affect your commute or your afternoon tomorrow. The best way to keep track of all this, honestly, there's an app. It's called the 2019 Tour of Utah Tour Tracker. Download it, and you can even see where the racers are at any given moment when they're racing. So that's really helpful if you're trying to figure out if they're going to be in your area where you need to be. Um, and if you can get through 
that area. But tomorrow, uh, from what we're expecting, based on the timeline of when the riders are supposed to be, where they where they are, and how they anticipate, you know, the, just the the timing of all of this, they're anticipating coming back into North Logan again. The race starts at twelve thirty, but they're coming back into North Logan a little bit after two, probably around two thirty. Could be anywhere between like two thirty and three o'clock, and then they'll be there doing different things. They're doing that big those laps uh, for another 30, 45 minutes, forty five minutes or so. So they're expected to finish by three forty five, but uh, in that area by the Eccles Ice Arena, it's supposed to be this big fan zone. Uh, there's different tents that are there set up with food. Uh, a lot of different activities you can do. They'll have the game or the race on, like these big jumbo screens that'll be on, so people can watch the racers. Uh, it's been a few years since Tour of Utah has come through here. For some people, maybe it is a little bit of a nuisance while they're here, but th- this is a world class event. These are racers from literally all over the world. It's going to be shown on national and international television stations. And uh, these are racers who participate at a very, very high level. Uh, so it, it's worth it even just to go check things out a little bit. Uh, at just the speed that these guys go and when they how they operate as teams. It's really fascinating. And what's different this year, the last couple of times Tour of Utah has been here and, and started here in northern Utah, the, they'll start in Logan, but then they run up the canyon and go over to Bear Lake. So you don't really see them for very much. But here it's going to be very different. We'll actually get to, for folks in Cache Valley, you'll get to see the racers quite a bit. And then the other thing that's cool is this, the Stage 2 is a little bit different as well. It will start in Brigham City, right in downtown, in front of their uh, courthouse. And they'll go through downtown a little bit. Then they'll head north and do a, kind of like a 30 to 40-mile loop uh, north of Brigham City come back through Main Street, and then that'll start at about the same time. It's right about 1230. Uh, but then they'll come back through Main Street, kind of flying through there on a sprint, and then it'll go down into uh, Weber County and eventually up into Ogden Canyon and uh, or Ogden Valley and eventually end at Powder Mountain. So the stage one and two in our area, a lot of opportunities to see these racers, uh, get autographs, and, and see what they do. This is... I hope people recognize that this is really a cool opportunity. Tour of Utah has grown, uh, not just in how people participate in the state of Utah, but it's grown in its reputation internationally as well. So uh, again, just uh, follow it along, get the app, 2019 Tour of Utah Tour Tracker. It's the best way to see where the riders are at any given moment. So you can position yourself to see them or... Understand where they are so you can avoid that area if you need to get around. And that's your Tour of Utah <laughs> so That's my little PSA for the day. Man, that's good stuff. Eric. But it, it really is. It's really cool. I hope people appreciate it. I know that there's some people, there are a lot of different bike races that happen in Cache Valley. It's really, this community is set up that it's it's a great place to host bike races um, because of the, the, the landscape and the, the, the size of the communities. I know that there are a lot of people, especially in the rural part of Cache Valley, that really don't like these races, unfortunately. Uh, Tour of Utah, 
Um, Is that true? MS-150, really? the Little Red Riding Hood, the Grand Fondo, or the uh, Lodija, uh, because they go through, there's such great, beautiful vistas in rural areas that get out and ride where you can't find that along the Wasatch Front or in some other places where these people come from all over the country. It's really a unique place where you can ride like this. But there are some people in the rural parts of this valley that really don't like these riders that come through and shut down their roads temporarily. Are they elder? And I mean this in the most respectful way, but they are they elderly people? Because when I meet elderly people, they're like, yeah, I'm going to see the Yankees at Romney Stadium. Uh, ma'am, it's my... No, don't you dare! <laughs> they still think that Stu Merle's the coach of the Yankees. I mean, it's... <laughs> I'm just I saying. Don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I personally Can haven't have interacted. Do a survey poll for us? But I know that there have been situations before in some of these races where people are throwing stuff out on the roads before these Shut bikers up. come through and they get tires get popped and they have to stop and fix things and okay so i'm gonna tell you people if you are listening within the sound of my ear grow up like please grow up these are people and if you hurt them you're gonna look like an idiot and you're gonna be in big let's just look at it this way it is it is a minor inconvenience but just look at it as that as a minor inconvenience there are literally with this happening hundreds of Hundreds of people that are coming into our local economy, spending money in hotels or renting homes, going out to eat, buying supplies, uh, doing a lot of different things to help our local economy. And, And not only that, our beautiful valley is featured internationally through, uh, this, uh, competition. So, and even through the state of Utah for those who pay attention in the state. So it's, it's really cool that it's here. Uh, that they're back, uh, and I hope people uh, appreciate it and uh, and cheer them on because uh, this is a really an, an an international, internationally recognized athletes from all over the world competing, and they're going to be here in Cache Valley. So it it, it is going to be kind of uh, screwy a little bit tomorrow afternoon in North Logan, but um, download the app. It'll show you where the riders are at any given time. That should help you as you try to get around town. We good? Yes. We can move on now. I mean, I'm not, I, and, and I do respect. I just want to make sure we got it yeah. all out there. Cause it, it is. It's in a big, huge event. Whether you like it or not, well, that doesn't. we don't care. It's still going to happen, so get over it. I, I put something together real quick uh, this afternoon. I threw it up on Cash Valley Daily. Oh, sweet. Uh, there are links there to the, the tour, the stages, uh, and the traffic. You can see the routes and the maps. Um, that uh, it's really well done how they've put this together and try to outline where things will be and when they will happen. So if you don't want to download the app, you can go to cashvalleydaily.com and it gives you a lot of details there. So anyway, that's going on tomorrow. It's a really big deal. Uh, that's why I'm spending some time on it. I just I think that people really need to recognize what's happening and and appreciate what's, what's going on. It's a really cool event. Uh, they are doing some things up at Snowbird today. But they'll be coming into town tonight and uh, setting up a lot of stuff. Um, and I know there's some road closures that are happening around Green Canyon right now as they're getting a lot of the things set up because uh, it's going to be a festival atmosphere uh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So anyway, go check it out. It should be worth it. Um, it's something you don't get to see every day. Now are you done? Yes, now I'm done. <laughs> 
<laughs> I am done. I will step off of my bicycle. Okay. Let's get into some uh, some football talk. Again, Region 11 starts this Friday night. All games at 7 o'clock p.m. You can find those games, times, and schedules on cashvalleydaily.com. Just go to the uh, menu bar, find sports, find high school, and uh, you'll see all the schedules as they are. Remember, we, they are, every single team in Region 11 is covered radio, broadcasted, and streaming-wise as well. So don't you dare miss out. And if you do, it's your fault, not ours. Uh, don't forget about our pick We're getting the site fixed. As soon as we can, we'll get you into more details of what's going on there, and we'll take care of you from that regard. Yeah, so just fast rundown. Who's playing where this Friday? Yes, please So do. Bear River is hosting Juan Diego. Uh-huh. That's always a juicy matchup yep. when those two teams face each other. Yep. Skyview is on the road. They're at Stansbury. Uh-huh. Green Canyon is home. They're hosting Tooele. Logan is on the road. They're at Provo. Riverhawks, Ridgeline Riverhawks, they're hosting Pineview. And then Mountain Crest is on the road. They're at Salem Hills. So for the majority, some of those teams are traveling quite a bit this weekend. I mean, you got Provost. And Salem Hills is about 20 minutes south of Provo. I mean, it's a little bit further away. Yeah. So Skyview's at Stansbury. Logan's at Provo. Mountain Crest is at Salem Hills. That means I'm going to miss Friday's show, doesn't it? Oh, man. That's a freaking drive. Uh, Yeah. You're welcome, Eric. It's a drive. You're welcome that I'm actually willing to do this for all our Mountain Crest Mustang fans, my alum high school. Yeah, so we've got uh, <laughs> we've got some great play-by-play announcers and color analysts lined up for each one of these schools. And uh, yeah, you, you can follow along on, on different radio stations. that will have them. Even these away games will have guys there. So people who can't make it to the game, you can tune into your, a local radio station and follow along or stream it live online. And the links are all on cashvalleydaily.com. Absolutely. You can find it there. Uh, college football begins very, very soon. In fact, I believe this last or this is the last week without college football uh, this week. So that means Utah State Aggies are just one, two, three weeks away from being in North Carolina to face the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest Friday night, 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Their first scrimmage was just on Saturday, close to the public and media, but then after, a media was allowed to show up and ask questions. Guess who did it and guess who did not go? Eric was there and nobody else. So the audio you're about to hear, nobody else has. Nobody else. The breakdowns from coaches and players, nobody else has. And it is juicy. So, uh, Eric, where do we start here? Let's start with Cam... Uh, Cam, Cam Lampkin has talked about, but let's talk about uh, DJ Williams. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't have Cam here, <laughs> yeah, no. so uh, the no DJ Williams. Uh, he's in the secondary for Utah State. He's on some preseason watch lists. Uh, I get, to, I got a chance to ask him about that. How that defense is coming along. Now, keep this in mind. This team has done some situational type stuff in their practices. But Saturday was very different. They called it a live scrimmage. And so there was time, there was down and distance, and they didn't get it. They had to punt it away and do things differently. So uh, it was a very different setup than what they've done so far in camp. So interesting to hear how the, how the players and the coach, uh, Gary Anderson, reacted to that. But let's first hear from uh, DJ Williams. Here's DJ Williams in his entirety. DJ Williams, uh, standout in the secondary for Utah State University. How do you feel like practices have gone so far? You're only, what, two weeks into this whole season practices so far. How do you feel things have gone so far for you? Uh, well, I, I'm liking the way our offense looks, man. They're, they're moving real fast and a lot of people making plays. 
And on the defensive yeah. side, you know, in the secondary, there's a lot of young guys that, that stepped up these, you know, these past two weeks or a week. And, and really the last couple of days, you know, Cam Lumpkin, he just moved the corner. And he's looking real good. So I'm just happy to see all the young guys doing good. Yeah, there is some uh, changeover that's happened there. And so with guys that have left or injuries, so do you feel like things have come together pretty good or do you still feel like you have a ways to go? Oh, yeah, th- things are going good. Cam, he really wants to learn, so that's good. And uh, He's just an athletic guy. He's a playmaker, and he's always asking questions. So, I mean, he, he's going to be a real good corner here. And, uh, I mean, things are going real good in the film room and, and on the field. I mean, it, it's a really a family there in the you know, secondary, and I, and I truly believe that. We know we got each other's back. You know, our coach has our back. You know, Coach Orfe has really been on us hard and just really coaching us and just loving us and caring for us, and we know he got our back. So, I mean, that's good. That was going to be one of my other questions for you. That this change in coaching staff, how do you feel like that's been going so far? Oh, man, I love my position coach, Coach Orfe, man. He's he's real technical, man. He's a real technique guy. I mean, if you don't play with his technique, you're just not going to play. And uh, he's really taught me a lot of things about the game that I didn't know last year that's really going to help me perfect my craft this year. You know, just little things like, you know, what I line at, what I should be expecting on this down or down the distance. You know, just little things that he's been, uh, you know, teaching me. And, then, you know, of course, Coach A, you know, everybody loves him. He's a player's coach. He's got a lot of things done for us, you know, new locker room and just – they just been taking care of us. I, I love these new coaches. For you, you came into the season with several preseason accolades. You're on several watch lists. How do you feel about that? Do you pay attention to any of that? Uh, I mean, I'm thankful to be on those watch lists. I'd be lying if I said I didn't pay attention to it because, you know, I want to be the best at whatever I do. So, you know, I, I'm thankful for the awards. Now the next step is just perfecting my craft, you know, in the film room and on the field that's just going to help me win those awards. So, you know, I'm thankful for them, and I'm just going to continue to keep working. Then lastly, you had a scrimmage. How do you feel like things went in the scrimmage? And how things, uh, you've been doing situational type stuff leading up to this, but how was, how was Saturday different? I mean, today was just live. That, that was the biggest difference. We had a lot of live periods. You know, it was a scrimmage. Practice, you're not live a lot. So we got to see a lot of people soccer today. You know, a lot of times in practice, people are tag off or third off, but you're like, is that a tackle? Today was actually live. So we've seen a lot of people make great tackles. That was good. Cool. All right. It's DJ Williams, your Jim Thorpe, or uh, not, is it Jim Thorpe Award finalist? Is that what he's for? I want to say it's Jim Thorpe, and I feel like I'm way off, too. No, I think you're right. Is it Jim Thorpe? Okay. Just want to make sure. Jim Thorpe Award finalist. DJ Williams with Eric France. And Eric, what do you take out? When you got a chance to talk to him, what stood out to you? Well, uh, just what he was talking about, Cam Lampkin. Uh, if you're not familiar, he was a wide receiver for Utah State coming into fall camp. Uh, I think there have been some changes with the secondary. Someone they were expecting to be there decided to leave. And so just trying to f- fill some holes, I think, a little bit there. And I think also looking at the the, the that wide receiver core, looking a little better than maybe some of us anticipated. So uh, trying to find place or places for guys to still give them opportunities, Cam Lampkin fit that role and was willing to switch positions and uh, getting in there and making some nice plays for that secondary. Yeah, he's – and the thing is, is when you are as thin as they are backfield, you got to kind of look at other options. And if that – even if that means taking another guy who is at a offensive position – like a wide receiver who you know has great hands and great speed and fit him in the in the defensive backfield and say, hey, look, if you want to play this year, this is where we need you the most. This is where we really have to have you. And if he can be able to contribute in a positive way, have an impact, minor or big, uh, you'll take that. And it sounds like uh, Cam Lemke has been able to do just that. That's 
That's really impressive. I mean, what do you think is more tougher, a defensive player going to tight end or a wide receiver going to be in a defensive back? Um, Probably a wide receiver going to defensive back agree. because as a wide receiver, you always know what the play is. You always know where you're supposed to go. But as a corner, you're reacting. Yes, you have certain plays where you try to affect what the offense can do, but you're reacting more to what's happening in front of you. Uh, I think that an advantage a wide receiver might have, though, at that position is they know how to track a ball. They know how to bring it in. Um, so, and they've they've got some speed to them. So, uh, it it it's not uncommon to have wide receivers converted to 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 corners. Um, so, how well Lampkin does at, at that, you know, that's still to be determined. Um, but uh, he's a guy that's. You know, five foot eleven, so he's got decent size. Uh, he's a as a freshman coming to the program, so uh, he's he's got some time to still grow into that. But uh, th- these position changes happen um, when you when you get into a, a camp, especially with a coach that's trying to evaluate wh- who to, how to put the best players in the best positions to help his team. So that was that I thought was really interesting coming out of DJ Williams. That's a great point. Uh, do you want to save Seattle some energy for the second segment, or do you want to use him now? No, let's because it wasn't too long. I got a chance to talk to COC Mariner as well. He's a new wide receiver for Utah State. He's another one of those guys that uh, a wide receiver that has good size. He's got some experience. Uh, still trying to learn what Utah State offense is like, but interesting to get the perspective from him. Kind of like what I did with Caleb Rep on Friday. What are the differences? What are the similarities between Utah State and how they're running camp and how Utah runs their camp? He's shared some really interesting insight about how Utah State is quite different, and he thinks it's a good thing. So we hear from C.O.C. Mariner about how things are going for the Aggies. C.O.C. Mariner is one of the new Aggies here at Utah State, one of the other transfers coming over from Utah. And C.O.C., how have practice has been so far for you and for this wide receiver group? Um, I feel practice, you know, day by day we're getting better and better. You know, we haven't stayed stagnant or went down. I feel like every day we progressed and got better in whatever, we, whatever category we need to get better on. i say the first couple of days we came a little slow, but since then it's been steady progress being made. What, uh, what's it been like for you personally trying to adapt to a new school, a new system, uh, and trying to fit in properly so you can be a big contributor? It's been, it's been real smooth. You know, these guys welcome me with open arms, and uh, I haven't really had a problem with the transition. You know, Coach A and Coach N, I've been familiar faces that I was with last year and things like that at Utah. So the transition has been real smooth and whatnot. Guys took me in with open arms. I, it's just a blessing to be here. What do you see as some of the similarities between the two programs or some of the bigger differences? Um, the only glaring difference I say is just like you know the speed of practice. You know Utah, we have a lot of bigger guys on a much slower tempo in here, but you know the speed of practice here is up and down. You know you're getting out there, you're going fast, and uh, that's a glaring difference. But other than that, you know both both schools I was at have a great in that grind. You know you got that want that you always want in your teammates, and that's what they have. What do you see your role as you fit in with this system as it's being run, and uh, how you could be used for this offense? Um, you know, um, I just came in trying to become one of them and not try to um, have one to become me, you know, just going there, looking looking at them for, like, things I need to do and ways I can help them. So that's been the biggest part, just trying to find my way to adjust to them. And then how did you feel about things went on the, the scrimmage? I feel like things went um, real good. You know, it's never as uh, good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. But I think 
Things the offense were real good. We got up and down the field, competing against a real good defense. And um, we got out there today. That's what good football teams do. All right, see y'all. That's Yossi Mariner. <laughs> it's never as good as it is, never as bad as it is. <laughs> it is what it is. There were a few uh, sports cliches that got thrown in there in that interview. Good for him, though. You know, he's, he doesn't give away too much. I'm pretty sure he learned that from Winningham, by the way, <laughs> if I might be so bold to say. The, for me, the biggest takeaway from what I got talking to, to Mariner is the differences between how Utah State is running things and how the University of Utah is running their camp. Oh, and have yes. run their camp. That's a great point. He said that uh, basically saying that the University of Utah has big dudes that can't run that fast. That's basically what I, what he how I interpreted what he had to say. Um, but how Utah State's running a, a fast paced camp. They're, and if you've gone to any of the practices, if you went to any of them last week, you saw that it's fast paced. They move from one thing to the next. And we heard this from guys last year too that uh, they felt like they worked at such a pace in practice that when it came to game time, games seemed slow. And that was to their advantage, to USU's advantage, because the game slowed down. They felt like they were able to get more rest in game time than they were in practice. They were able to see things better during a live game than they could in practice. So it's an advantage of having this fast-paced, move things, keep moving, 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 not just to get them their, you know, their blood going or get them in the proper game shape, uh, but to, it helps when the games actually happen. Things uh, are, seem a little bit slower to them. They see things better. So uh, it's it's kind of interesting to get that perspective. Yeah, and in regard to speed, you saw how the speed really wore down teams like Michigan State. It wore down, well, I mean, all the soft cake teams too, but even like Wyoming got tired at the end. They played great for about three and a half quarters, but they got exhausted at the end. Yeah, a lot of teams will say, "Oh, we want to play with pace," but they don't. They don't sustain it. They'll do a couple of plays and they settle back into this is who we are. But no, Utah State it's play, can go. play with pace. Who was it last year? Was it Tennessee Tech Golden Raiders coach who was like, "Yeah, we've been doing the same thing with our ones and twos, and uh, we've been copying pretty much their pace, so we feel like we're ready to go." <laughs> <laughs> We, we see what they're doing every day in practice. And it was 42 to nothing. We're like going to be ready for them. <laughs> we're we're going to go up there and take them boys down. Oh, man. God bless their heart for the confidence and swag. But, man, wrong team to do it with. Wrong, absolutely wrong team. In fact, I had heard uh, from a couple of people that um, they had heard that quote uh, on our show. And had somehow got transferred back to Coach Wells and his staff, and they were just like, "Well, all right, let's do it. Let's see how you guys do." And <laughs> let's, it just let's turned out this horrible. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. All right, coming back, we're gonna get to uh, more Aggie football again. There, Fo- Family Football Fun Day is this Saturday, 5 p.m. at Maverick Stadium. Don't miss it. It's free and it's open to the public. Uh, we'll also get you so you hear from Gary Anderson here in the next segment. Uh, and don't forget, again, one more time, Top of Utah Marathon is tomorrow. They'll no, be shutting- not, not Top of Utah Marathon. The, the Tour of Utah. The Tour of Utah. It's the same thing. <laughs> they're, except they're on bicycles. They go fast. So does Usain Bolt. <laughs> Just Usain. Yes, he does run Tour fast. of Utah is tomorrow, and we'll have audio for you uh, on the bike races of all bike races. Eric and I will it's be a big in one. It. I will have my little training 
bicycle with my Your horn. Your little bell, clink, clink. Yep, to uh, wave to all the uh, fans of mine. <laughs> Don't forget, Tori, you tell so your parents will be sure there. Check That's it good. Out. And, and, and just respect the bicyclers. Please respect the bicyclers. They're there to be a part of something special, something big. Whether you like it or not, it's none of your dang business. Just stay out of the way and don't hurt them. All right, coming back up, Utah State Football, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. From 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Audrey Salas of 5.32 time. Monday, August 12th. You're back for another week. Congratulations. Made it through the weekend. Hope yours was great and better than ours. Uh, Eric, I was just looking. Mine wasn't bad. Made it sound like we had bad weekends. Well, we did. We had horrible weekends. We didn't spend it together. Yeah, mine wasn't a bad weekend. I didn't have to see you for a couple of days. You know, Eric, you need me. That's the thing is, able to go and to the by the fair, way, when I'm gone for two hours on ride Friday, some crazy you're going to be hating life. Get some fair food, go up to practice. Hey, how was the fair? I missed it. Yeah, it was good. You know what it's I always, hot. I've never had and I need to have? It is on my bucket list. Uh, it's not a strudel cake. What is that word? Funnel cake? Yes. Oh, those are delicious. Dude, I need one so badly. They're going to be hard to find now. Why? Well, there's well, there's some fairs. You have to travel a little. I mean, the Boxella County Fair is coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Franklin County Fair might be coming up this ah, weekend. Ah, yes. See, I need a funnel. Oh, my gosh. I've always seen those, and I'm like, I need one of those one day. Hey, by the way, just again, a reminder for everybody that is interested, Utah State football will have two football games on Facebook this year. Uh, first one will be their home opener, Stony Brook, at 5.30 p.m. Second one will be their season finale, New Mexico, at 2 p.m. Do you like the Facebook thing? Yeah, I love it. I think it's great, and I think it's been great for people who don't have cable, who don't have TV. They can hop onto Facebook and watch the game themselves. Mountain West was a huge fan of it last year, actually. They thought it was a great one. i got to be honest. Okay. When I first heard that Utah State would have games on Facebook, I thought, You were terrified. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Really? I mean... You were terrified. Th- this, the opportunities to... The, the people who want to uh, broadcast these games... There's no one there, and so they're, they're going to go to a, go to Facebook. But you know what? It turned out to be really pretty good. Mm-hmm. It had a, a good production value. Didn't always care for the the play by play talent, but that's fine. They were all right. They were that. they weren't bad. They're okay. Uh, it was interesting that there were no commercial breaks. They just kept talking mm-hmm. and did some stuff with the fans. Uh, but uh, I think for fans and for people to follow along. It was really interesting. It, it was, it was like I said, it was good broadcast quality, hmm. and you could watch it on your device, you watch it on a computer, or you could make comments. Which I honestly I didn't really pay attention to the comments because I wanted to watch the game, not pay attention to the comments. But I know there was some weird stuff sometimes that happens in there. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's interesting that these platforms are becoming more and more readily accepted. And um, interesting how Utah State always seems to be in the mix of the early adopters of this, because mm-hmm. the first football game broadcast on Twitter or carried on Twitter was a Utah State game, and one of the first games on Facebook was a Utah State game. Now Twitter's really not doing those anymore. Facebook's doing them. Uh, there's been talk that other platforms are maybe getting into it. 
to stream uh, sporting events live. So it's clearly something that the Mountain West wants to be in the forefront of all of this. Uh, what does it mean as far as financial opportunities for university? Yeah, it's not the same. You'd rather see them get that check from ESPN or CBS or whomever. But it, it, I think it's a good platform to get the, the name out there and for people to access and watch the games. I like it. I, I, think, it I, hurts. I think it's been great. I think it does hurt older generation. Um, but they're, they're adopting Facebook more than actually the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Millennials aren't really doing a lot on Facebook as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. They're, they've gone to other social platforms, but they're still there, and they'll come there to watch and participate in the games. Especially if it's their own school. Hey, really, yeah. before we get into more fall camp where you were the only media guy to be able to get great audio after their first scrimmage, I was just reading collegefootballnews.com, their prediction for the Wake Forest-Utah State game. They have Wake Forest, who, by the way, is a minus 3.5, winning 37-34 over Utah State. Interesting. I don't know if Wake Forest is completely capable of scoring 37 points. No, at least Look, not against they, Utah State. They're they they were a bowl team last year. They're uh, well, what they're that. improving. So is BYU. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, uh, how did BYU do in their bowl game? Who but, did they play? <laughs> I know, I know. But um, but Wake Forest is is an improving program. Uh, what they're going to look like this year, we're going to dive into that a little bit more as we get closer. But um, I think that'll be a good challenge for USU. I think it's. Uh, I think it will be a, a first time that Utah State will be able to knock off a Power 5 school on the road. But it will not be easy. Interesting. Interesting. I uh, Well, we've already talked about our predictions. I also think Utah State wins. I don't think Wake Forest scores 37 points. Even if they do win, they ain't freaking scoring 37 to do it. There's no way. Not against that defense. Uh, I th- yeah, I do think that is high. A little high. Um this Utah State front seven is very good. Is going to apply a lot of pressure to their their opponents. I think they're really really eager to to uh, show out what they can do, especially on a national stage. So again, we have Wake Forest. CollegeFootballNews.com has Wake Forest beating Utah State 37-34. That is unreal. It's interesting. Uh, when I got a chance to talk to Gary Anderson on Saturday, I, I asked him who has stood out uh, so far in camp, even though they've been only practicing for about a week and a half or so. Uh, it, it's you can tell different players coming a little more prepared or how well they're they're uh, they're playing in, in practices. What kind of intensity they bring to it? What kind of preparation they do? How focused they are? Uh, so interesting who he singles out on who's doing well and just uh, his overall observations of how practice went and how the scrimmage went on Saturday. Got a chance to catch up with Gary Anderson. Exclusive interview you only hear here. Here we go. All right, Coach Gary Anderson, close scrimmage today. You week and a half into this thing. How are things progressing so far for your team? Well, you know, we'll know a lot more when we evaluate uh, this tape from the scrimmage. It was it was a good run, hundred plus plays. Uh, that doesn't count the special teams. So I think we handled it well. Um, it looked good. You know, the biggest thing to me is when you look at a scrimmage, you look and see, uh, you know. You don't want unforced errors is a big thing, right? You don't want those forced errors. We make a lot of mistakes. We didn't have a lot of penalties. Um, offense ran fairly smooth. Once they got into pace, they ran extremely fast, which was good to see. 
I thought defensively they were pretty settled in as far as just the communication, the talk that was going on with them. Um, you know, there wasn't uh, a bunch of layups for either side. Uh, you had to earn your way to make a play. And, you know, so for the most part, those are all good things. And we have lots to work on. Uh, you know, the challenge is continually get the best 11 kids on the field at every moment that you possibly can in all three phases. And that's the, you know, it's the challenge we continue to move forward. And, you know, now we'll shift gears and you know, start looking towards our opponents. Um, not so much against each other, you know, scheme to scheme, but uh, really focusing in on our opponents for the rest of camp. This team's ready to do that. Some teams aren't ready to do that after, uh, you know, whatever, 8, 9, whatever day this is. I can't remember what day it is anymore. Um, but uh, this team's ready to shift gears and do some things and prepare for the season. you feel like your depth chart is starting to come together? Yeah, it is. And, again, this, this uh, tape will tell a lot. Um, but you get them in those situations where they have to react where, you know, coaches aren't coaching them between snaps. And those are, uh, those are big moments. Let's see how they can handle the moment without, uh, you know, being told what to do. So that will help the, the depth chart um, a lot to be able to see who can get in the moment as we're close to a, a game-like atmosphere as we can give them. But, uh, yeah, we're moving in that direction. I think we feel pretty settled in most spots. You have the advantage of being with these guys in the spring. Uh, how's, as fall camp has gone, you've added some newer guys to the mix that you didn't see before. How are the new players starting to adapt to everything? And you got some transfers coming to this mix as well. Yeah, you know, we added 45, 47, 48 new players uh, to the program, so that's a bunch. Um, and they've done amazingly well. You know, they all are starting to understand kind of what their role is. Uh, they all competed early. You know, it all filters out so they can understand kind of their placement on the team. I think the coaches have communicated with them well. I think our leadership committee and the captains have done an amazing job of, you know, putting their arms around those kids. And everybody gets homesick. I don't care. When you get to a new place and you're young, you get homesick. And um, I think our older kids have done a great job there. Uh, the transfers that have come in, the JC guys, for the most part, have done their job. Um, you know, we brought, we bring in transfers and JC guys to come in and compete for a spot. And uh, if they win it, they win it. If they don't, they don't. But they're giving that opportunity right out of gate, right out of the gate. And, uh, you know, like I said, for the most part, I think they've handled that pretty well. Is there a, a player or two, I know it's kind of hard right now, but what you've observed in practices that really with their effort, it really kind of stood out to you and how they're working and trying to make a, make a role for themselves? Yeah, you know, uh, there's been a lot of challenges with uh, Kevin Metzenheimer would be one. I think Kevin is uh, he's doing a nice job. Um, he's, he's very tough-minded. He understands the scheme. He can control the defense, um, so it's great to see that out of Kevin. And he's a young man that uh, you know we asked to do a lot of things, get a little bit stronger, uh, you know, be the guy that's the great communicator, and he's done that. So proud of him. Um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, make it center. Uh, he's done a nice job. He had a bunch of little nagging injuries and things that came his way, and uh, he's really played well uh, at the center position, which is great to see. That's such a vital part of, of our offense as a whole, uh, snapping the ball, of course. It's the first and most important part, but uh, he's a great communicator. So you know, those are a couple of kids that were here in the spring that have really showed quite a bit of improvement as we've moved through, and we need them to keep going. All right, Coach, we look forward to seeing how things come in the uh the family fun day, scrimmage in front of everybody uh, in a week. Uh, what do you feel like is the most important thing for this team between now and then? Uh, you know, just to really spread our focus not on competing against each other anymore, but competing um, and preparing for our opponents and how this team handles that when they 
get into some uh, scout the service teams they'll be coming their way this week um, how our team is going to sit and handle the situations where you know our our number one defense is servicing our one number one offense with a, a defense of potentially Wake Forest or whoever it may be that we're working on that'll be a big transformation through uh, this week and then technique and fundamentals you know you never can get enough technique and fundamentals and then make sure that we uh, understand we need to be in game shape and game shape continually comes with work as you go through camp all right, Coach Gary Anderson. As Coach, head ball Coach Gary Anderson, with Eric Franson, who got the exclusive audio one-on-one with the coach himself after their first and uh, scrimmage that was close to the public and media. Their next one is open to the public and media. That's this Saturday at five o'clock. Eric, thoughts that you took away from that op- uh, that interview? Well, I thought it was really interesting how he singled out Kevin Metzenheimer, the linebacker for Utah State. Uh, that he, he said that he is someone who can control the defense. Uh, that uh, he's he, he's active and he's vocal. Uh, I thought that was interesting to hear him talk about that, how it was good to have um, the, the team in a position where they can start preparing for their opponents. Uh, he's been a part of some teams where they take most of fall camp just figuring themselves out, and uh, they they don't have a lot of time to prepare, or as much time as they'd like to prepare for their opponents. But he feels like this team is at a point where they can start preparing for Wake Forest. They can start figuring out what their packages look like for that uh, for Air Force because um, it's such a unique style that you have to do some of that preparation now. Now yeah. revisit it again in the fall, in the week leading up to it. But they're at a point where that uh, they've they feel pretty close to where they are with their depth charts that they can start uh, working on. Who do they have to play? Instead of trying to figure out who is going to be the best at what position, who's going to be the starter, who's going to be the backup, who's really going to play, um, they can start figuring out who who do they play. Not just who are we going to play on our side of the ball, who are we going to face. And so I thought that was really interesting that they're, he, he feels strongly enough that this team is in a position to start preparing for their opponents. That's very good news, by the way. I hope Aggie fans understand that. When you hear that with one, two, three You're looking weeks. at July, by the way, over there. No, I'm looking at the August, the part of the corner. Oh, I, I okay. Know, I got confused when I first looked at the calendar earlier when you okay. were here. <laughs> and I was like, what's the There's a July calendar on? hanging on the wall. It hasn't been flipped yet. Yeah, that's your guys' fault. Uh, one, two, three weeks away from your season opener, and you can already start thinking ahead to Wake Forest. Uh, that's That's good news. Now, the question is, uh, for me, I'm not surprised to hear Mensenheimer's name come out of Gary Anderson's mouth as a positive note. You? No. No. Uh, I've, I've been watching him in practices, and uh, he does. He looks active. Uh, he looks physical. And uh, he's, he's going to be a good linebacker for Utah State. Yeah, I would absolutely 100% agree with you. Uh, the positions, I think people are going to keep an eye. I think you mentioned this earlier in the first hour. But where people are placed at is going to be a really intriguing thing to see. Like, who was originally an offensive guy, now on defense, vice versa. Um, I'm going to look at special teams. You know, Dominique Eberle and those guys and how they look. Are they as fresh as they should be? Um, you know, with a, with a really tough schedule, you're going to need your special teams to come through at some point. Uh, you know, that's a good point. I'm glad you bring that up because last year when Utah State had such a wide margin of victory over teams – the, the special teams units were just kind of happy sidebars that weren't really part of the game. 
Um, yeah, Savon Scarver had some big returns that were exciting. Uh, Dominic Everly had that one game where he kicked a ton of field goals. But those were... It wasn't like special teams was at a point of the game that mattered a lot. Yeah, there were some games where they where they did later in the season. But I think this year, we're going to be paying a lot closer attention to how well, how good, or how bad special teams affects the game. Because I think the margin of of being on the, the winning side or being on the losing side is going to be a lot thinner this year than it was a year ago. And so special teams is going to play a much larger role than what we paid attention to last year. So, And there's a lot of good talent there that we really haven't even talked about yet. Do With you, Dalton coming back from injury, Everly is still there, Scarver is there, a couple other guys that I think can, can help out uh, in key positions. So I think that the special teams unit for USU, we're going to be paying closer attention to them this year because they're going to be playing a more vital role Maybe it's not that their roles changed this year compared to last year, but the difference between winning and losing is going to be much closer, I think. And so how well they do, how much they affect the game, will be noticed more than it was a year ago. Who do you have... Well, we got to get to a break here. Who do you have backup save on Scarver uh, for like kick returns or punt returns? Who was it last year? Jordan Nathan last year that was filling punt returns? Uh, Jordan Nathan did a little bit of that. Uh, I'm trying to think who I've seen in practices. Uh, there's a couple different guys that I've seen there, but all of a sudden my name's I'm I'm blanking That's on who that is. That's kind of another wing I, I'm really interested in seeing is who's going to be fielding punts besides Nathan. Besides Scarver? Besides Scarver or Nathan. Because, <sighs> I mean, Scarver's I've playing a ton of offense, all, as is Nathan. I can't place them. Um, I've seen other guys there. I, I, now all of a sudden I'm blanking I'm on who it is. keep an eye on that. I know Cam Lampkin uh, had a lot of success in high school he, uh, as uh, as a return guy. I don't know if they're going to necessarily use him in that role, but um, uh, Utah State has several guys that could do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've got talent there. Uh, the experience factor at this level is maybe what's not there. I understand and very much agreed. All right, we got to get to a break. Coming back, we'll get you uh, more Utah State Aggie football camp news and uh, some discussion about it. Uh, we'll also get you uh, ready for what should be a Monday or what is a Monday night. And we'll be Tuesday tomorrow. We'll get you into news of what's going on, anything that stands out to us, including Donovan Mitchell himself making a run at maybe a starting spot on the FIBA World Cup team. It's all coming up here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and AJ Salison here on a Monday, August 12th, getting you wrapped up for a Monday night of the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining, however, wherever you are. We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, you can actually find our podcast on iTunes and all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and others. And you can also find us on 1069thefan.com if you need to look up a link to uh, listen to our show and if you missed it. Right. Great audio that you'll only find here on 1069thefan.com from Gary Anderson, DJ Williams, CLC Mariner, That's from what stuff, happened on Saturday. Way. Nobody else was there. I was alone. Uh, I was told to be there at a certain time. The practice would end at a certain time. It went a lot longer than I had anticipated, so I got to see some things. I'm not going to talk about that because it was supposed to be a closed scrimmage, and 
I'm going to keep my word that it was supposed to be a close scrimmage. Yeah. But it didn't look like there were some family members of players that were there, which was kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, it was it was very active and it was good. But don't forget, you can join in on the practice yourself, or at least attend it yourself. Yeah, you can't join in on the practice. Well, that would be. I might go in there and try to throw AJ in there as left tackle. Put a couple of shaken bakes on DJ. We'll show you the Jim Thorpe Award finalist right here. Uh, No, you can actually go and watch on for Saturday, five o'clock at Maverick Stadium. It's open to the public and it's free. So make sure you get into that. Hey, NFL preseason football was just underway fully. Who's your studs? Who's your duds? Pretenders, contenders. Yeah, really quickly, just from the first. I mean, there was a Hall of Fame game that was yeah okay, but most of the games, most everybody else got underway this last weekend. Just some quick studs and duds from the opener. Uh, Daniel Jones, new Giants quarterback, making a, a believer out of Giant skeptics. Many, everywhere. oh my god, he looked really good. Five for five, sixty-seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, Darwin Thompson bowling over would-be tacklers. Dude, okay. 50 pounds heavier than him. I owe him an apology because I didn't think he'd be that I didn't great. think he'd be NFL ready. My he bad. looks great. And I got to give credit to Baker Mayfield. I thought he looked good and the Browns looked good yeah, early on. Some of my duds, uh, Antonio Brown, just for everything that's been Jeez, going on in the offseason. Same thing with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, but then I look at the Rams and the Lions. They didn't play any starters, but they also showed that they didn't have much depth either. They didn't. The Rams didn't even play any backups. So why even participate if you're not going to do anything? So it seemed pretty pointless that they even participated. I think that's uh, seems to defeat the purpose of having a preseason game. Really quickly, quick news on you're in the uh, NBA world, and especially specifically the FIBA competition. Kyle Lowry has dropped out. Donovan Mitchell has now moved up. Now remember, he was starting in that scrimmage. Will he start in Anaheim this upcoming weekend? That's going to be really, really interesting to see. If he is, I'd say he's a lock. Not just to make the roster, but to start as a shooting guard next side. To or or at the very minimum, play significant minutes. So there's 15 players now trying to get 12 roster spots. Also keep in mind Marcus Smart's dealing with an injury. So don't know if he's going to back out or if he's going to make the team. So it's uh, the, the number of guys vying for spots keeps getting smaller and smaller. Meanwhile, Donovan Mitchell keeps doing very well in these practices. So keep an eye on it. We'll see you Tuesday, everybody. Good night. Have a good one.